us cracking big dogs. Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters, HQ. My name is Nicholas. This is BDG. Big dogs got to eat fantasy football. It is Friday. It is Thursday. Run that bike. It's Thursday. Rest of season rankings videos coming out right now. Running backs, wide receivers, biggest fallers, biggest risers, biggest movers up and down the board. If you want the full list of my rest of season rankings, you can get that at patreon.com forward slash BDGE. Also, weekly rankings are going to be coming out because there's no Thursday night football game. I will get those out either tomorrow or Saturday for y'all, but we had to move Fade the Public bike. Featured film for Fade the Public that we usually come out with on Thursdays. Had to move bike because of Wednesday night football. We needed to know what happened with Animal in his game, so we watched him hit his demise, go 0-12, and then we filmed the episode afterwards. So that will be coming out tomorrow. Make sure you are following them on their YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash fade the public you'll get bagels and locks you'll get animals house you'll get a bunch of ignorant content that i would never allow on my personal channel so go over there youtube.com forward slash fade the public rest of the season wide receiver rankings videos how are we feeling i'm feeling good we're feeling good anyone who owns derrick henry is feeling fantastic because he has officially moved up to the rb1 rest of season we're going to get into that but first we're going to tuck our shirts in stop yelling and let's eat All right, so Derrick Henry, not a tough one here. Moves up to the RB1. He's the king. He's the top of the throne. Double-digit Derrick. You do not want to be playing against Derrick Henry when the week number starts with double digits. Week 13, week 14, week 15, week 16. Rest in peace to anyone that's going against Derrick Henry in his playoff matchups. They play Cleveland this upcoming week. Not a scary matchup. Yes, maybe they've been okay against the fantasy running backs up to this point, but nobody can stop Mr. Derrick Henry right now. The ranking on the right side is total fantasy points allowed over the last five weeks, not on the season, what's a screenshot, a capture of what's happened over the last month or so. So I think it's more indicative of what the defenses are actually showing on the NFL field right now. So Cleveland, pretty good. The rest of the matchups, pretty fucking bad. Jacksonville, 12. Detroit, number one. Green Bay, number four. This is a beautiful slate for Derrick Henry. Number one, no questions asked. And if people are still asking questions about Austin Eckler, y'all need to go back to fucking school. Pay your tuition get accepted, take your SATs, sit your ass back in the classroom because Austin Eckler has moved all the way up to my running back three. I'm still hearing people say, yeah, he's probably an RB1 rest of season. I'm like, bitch, he might be the RB1 rest of season, okay? So he's my running back three. Coming off a career-high 25 touches, he's got Justin Herbert under center. This is two games in a row now. The last two games he's played with Justin Herbert under center, he's caught 11 passes each. Matchups going forward, New England, Atlanta, Las Vegas, and Denver. None of those are scary. Yes, Atlanta is bright red. They've actually allowed the single fewest fantasy points to running backs over the last five weeks. They have Their defense has turned it the fuck on, and they might actually be for real on the defensive side of the ball. Thankfully, we just needed to get rid of Dan Quinn. We've got a bright future ahead of us. <clears throat> no, we don't. Regardless, Austin Eckler, we don't need him to go 18 for 110 on the ground. He's not like a Nick Chubb type where if he's going against a really tough ground defense, this is a bad example because Nick Chubb can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants on the ground too. Y'all get the point. Austin Eckler gets it done on all three downs, so we don't need him to pound it up the middle in order to score his fantasy points. I'm not worried about any of those matchups. So Austin Eckler moves all the way up to running back three for me. There's no questions asked. He is an elite running back for the remainder of the season. Christian McCaffrey's up at running back nine. And the only reason he's down this far is because of the bye in this upcoming week. It's Carolina. It is Tampa Bay. Those are the only two teams remaining with a bye. When they come back from the bye, Christian McCaffrey will be 100% healthy. 
Christian McCaffrey will be an elite running back option. Next week, when I redo this video for weeks 14, 15, and 16, because those are the real playoffs. Some of y'all play in leagues where the playoffs start in week 13, which I think is kind of crazy. I'm not sure. I guess that would be if you play. For those of y'all that start the playoffs this week, drop a comment down below letting me know why. I'm assuming it's because you play two playoff weeks. So you play the same matchup. You should play the same guy for these two weeks, 13, 14, and then, you know, championship game would be 15, 16. Maybe you play in a really big league. Maybe like a 16-team league starts the playoffs this early, but I, I don't think so. I think it would be a double-digit playoff matchup week kind of thing going on down there. So some of y'all do start this week. C-Max value takes a little bit of a hit because you're not going to have him for the first week of the playoffs, unfortunately. But when he is bike, he is up there as an elite running back and would probably hop up to, I mean, I, I don't know. There's no reason why from weeks 14 to 16, he wouldn't be the RB1, if not like sharing that spot with Derek Henry. Next up, we have Chris Carson. He's a big mover for me, up to RB11, returning from this month-long hiatus, this foot injury he dealt with. He came by, got on the field against Philadelphia. There's a lot of nuance here, okay? He rushed eight times for 41 yards, touchdown. He caught two passes for 18 yards. So not like a crazy day, but a good enough day to be your RB2 in the matchup. Ends up with like 12 or whatever points. So the obvious concern here is Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde outsnapped him 41 to 25 in this game. He also outtouched him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's the case moving forward? Now, I'm assuming they're just easing him back into his RB1 workload and his RB1 status in this backfield. But they did come out and say that Chris Carson's foot was a little bit sore after the game. I ain't no doctor, only technically. So I don't know if that's necessarily like, I wouldn't say that's a setback, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on if he remains limited at practice or if he drops to a dude did not practice this week, that's going to be a pretty big concern. And that means Carlos Hyde's stonks are probably on the way up a little bit. But, you know, the soreness is probably something that you could have expected given a month-long layoff and then coming back and, and running as hard as Chris Carson did. I mean, he, to me, on my opinion, the way he looked on Monday night, or did they play Monday? Yeah, they played Monday night or Sunday night. I don't fucking know at this point. All the games are all over the fucking place. He looked great to me running. I thought Chris Carson was fine. We'll have to see how they start splitting these snaps going forward. Now, when you look at the next group of games, however, I just want a piece of this backfield. Right. Like I I do believe that Chris Carson will be the one going forward. Next four games, Giants, Jets, Washington, Rams. So not none of them particularly easy for fantasy running backs. But what I love about the next two games, the Giants, Jets are the game scripts. The Giants are going to be without Daniel Jones very, very, very likely. And then it's the Jets. So Seattle should dominate those games. So I actually think that while I would rather have Carson than Hyde, I almost think both of them are like flex plays for the next couple of weeks going forward. But give me Carson. I think he's got like two touchdown upside any given week. And, you know, when he's healthy, we've seen over the last few years, the workload that they give him, no questions asked. So Carson moves up to RB11. I do think that is very a very fluid situation given the foot. So I would just tune into practice reports very, very heavily here. So after Carson at 11, we've kind of got this little clusterfuck of, of guys and it's, it's Miles Sanders, it is Josh Jacobs, and it is Zeke, 12, 13, 14. None of which it's easy to have confidence in right now at this point, but all of them have weekly upside. All of them should be the featured player in their respective offenses. But Jacobs is now dealing with this high ankle sprain. If he ends up missing time, Obviously, he's going to shoot down this list. Now, Miles Sanders, man, it hurts. It really hurts to talk about Sanders. I was so confident in Sanders coming into the year. I'm going to do a video. I do this at the end of every year where I look at, it's basically like a top 10 lessons learned video or top 10 things I fucked up from the previous year. And we dive into whether it's a strategy or a system or, or specific players that went wrong why it went wrong, and what we can learn from that. So so rest assured, I might have a whole single-ass episode about Miles Sanders, because I know a lot of y'all drafted Miles Sanders. 
because of me. I have Miles Sanders in many leagues, so I'm hurting just as much as you are, but I still have him up at RB12. I can't say I'm confident putting him there. When you watch Miles Sanders play, like he still looks fucking fantastic. Like running the ball, he looks great. On the passing side of things, he did not. And I tweeted this out this morning. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Nick underscore BDGE. I was looking at, I was like, you know, what's what's wrong with Miles Sanders? Why is he not producing anything fantasy-wise for us? I'm looking at the receiving totals. He has 123 receiving yards on the season. That is such a low number. He had over 500 last year. He doesn't have a single game this year over 36 receiving yards. Last year, 38% of his games, he had over 40 receiving yards. So he hasn't topped 36 once yet this year. And last year, he was topping 40 in almost half of his games. And I'm looking at the receiving numbers, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, obviously, Wentz has been terrible. Half of the throws that he throws to Miles Sanders are, like, uncatchable. So I'm looking at the target rate, and I'm like, okay, let's see. Is it all Wentz's fault? What's going on with Sanders? Is it the routes he's running, et cetera, et cetera? Number one, among all running backs with over 20 targets, that's like 40 running backs. There's like 40 running backs with over 20 targets on the year. Miles Sanders' catchable target rate is dead last among all of them. His catchable target rate is like 70%. And for a running back who's getting targets like six feet away from the quarterback, that's an abysmal number. The other big problem here is Miles Sanders leads all running backs in the NFL in drops. He's got eight drops. So while you're getting the targets that are six feet away, you can't be dropping fucking six foot passes. So not only are the highest percentage of his passes uncatchable, but a lot of the ones he is getting, he's dropping. That is just a cocktail for for fuckery and just just disappointment and disgusting, disgusting fantasy outcomes. So while Wentz has been bad, like Miles Sanders has arguably, probably not arguably, but easily been just as bad in the passing game. And it sucks because you know he's a good athlete. Like we saw him do really well in the passing game last year. Some of them are, are focused concentration drops, but like whatever it is, this entire offense is just suck the life out of, of Miles Sanders as a fantasy player. I do want to dive into, I want to go over to player profile real quick. Pulled this up right before the video started, but I have not actually looked at this because I wanted to, to get a little bit of a deeper dive, his advanced statistic. I keep saying, you know, he looks so good when he's running the ball. He looks really talented. Is it his fault? Is it the line's fault? Is it the quarterback's fault? You know what it is? So I want to dive in with y'all in real time and we might discover some shit that uh, I thought otherwise, right? We might get a slap in the face on live television right now. So bear with me. We're going to go down this page and look at a few things. And this is obviously on playerprofiler.com. If y'all do not use this for your own research, I don't know what is you doing. Playerprofiler.com. You type in any player's name and it's got all of these advanced statistics absolutely free for y'all. All right. So let's scroll down a little bit. A few things that jump off the page, like the opportunities, the snap share. Okay. Number four among running backs, opportunity share number five. So we keep saying, you know, he's not getting the opportunities, but he is, he's getting a fuckload of opportunities. There you can see, yep, the drops. Number one among running backs in the NFL with eight drops. The receiving yards, the receptions are terrible. What are we doing? Route participation. See, that's the thing. Like he is number five in route participation. He's running a route on 61% of the dropbacks. Number five amongst all NFL running backs. That's big. The target share, almost 13%. That's top 10 among running backs. He should be doing well. He's running a lot of routes. True yards per carry, number three, obviously. He's been great on the ground. Yards per touch, he's number eight. Juke rate is good though. Like that is what usually tells you whether or not a running back is kind of good, like in space. This is this is what a juke rate is by itself. Isolates a running back's on-field elusiveness and tackle-breaking power by dividing the total number of evaded tackles by the total number of touches. So this is like offensive line aside. This is how good a running back has actually been when having to cause elusiveness. So he's still up there. Like he, he's still doing everything that I'm actually seeing you know, with my eyes. Yards created per touch. He's top 10. Yards created overall, number 14. It's just the passing game, man. The drops, number one in the NFL. The catch rate, number 38, because a lot of them are uncatchable or he's dropping them. So that shit is just absolutely killing you. But when you're averaging, you know, your yards per carry is top three in the NFL 
And if you start to sprinkle in some receiving work, you're going to you're going to be putting up some good fantasy games. As you could see, it's just it's just not coming to fruition. And it's crazy. This this is wild, actually. Run, run blocking efficiency, number four in the NFL, because their O-line's been so beat up. But they are blocking really, really, really well for him. You have a really good run blocking line. You have a juke rate. The lucidness is really high. And that's going to obviously end up leading to a really high yards per carry number. So, yeah, it's just, just a, a fuck, uh, shitty, shitty situation for Miles Sanders right now. I'll already say, like, I'm, I'm more than willing to buy back into Miles Sanders. One of the problems I had, what I didn't do coming into this year, I guess, and, and what I should have been more cognizant is, is is all these injuries started happening in the preseason, right? Like, their offensive linemen started, it was Brandon Brooks, it was Jason Peters. Like, all these guys started going down quickly. And I was just like, it doesn't matter because they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of backup. Miles Sanders is talented. Then Miles Sanders got hurt. And I kind of just stayed on the fucking train. It was more so like I bought so heavily. It, you know what? Fantasy is like one of these things where you'll never see me on Twitter, like arguing with people about fantasy football. Like 99% of the tweets I have are just like personal tweets or just fucking with people or literally just no, because fantasy to me is like fun. You know, like I try to make it fun for myself. If I'm, if I love a guy like Miles Sanders and like these things start happening and then like the analytics people are just like, nah, 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 whatever. I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Like I want to own Miles Sanders because I want to own him. Right. That's it. I don't, I don't need to argue my points anymore. Although I did continue to shove arguments down your faces. He's just one of those guys that was like my guy for the year. And I was like, I want to own at least a few shares of him because if I'm right, which I feel like I was going to be at the time, it's just going to feel pretty fucking good, right? Like Aaron Jones the previous year, whatever it was. But it has not worked out and it fucking hurts. It fucking hurts bad. It hurts. I'm still going back to him next year, but rather than drafting him where I drafted him, early, right? Like late first round, whatever you have to play the range of outcomes. Whereas this offense could be shitty because of all these injuries and you adjust accordingly. So will I be drafting him in the first round next year? Of course not, because there's a chance that the Eagles are terrible on offense again. So you weigh that into the risk reward and he becomes, you know, a back half of the second round, early third round. And I think that's where you get a league winning esque player with this type of upside. Okay. So yeah, that shit hurts. Damn. Kareem Hunt has slowly been sliding down the rankings since Nick Chubb has come back and he's running like a man possessed. And that's how Kareem Hunt started the year. Scored six times in the first five games. Then over the next six games, three of them being the featured workhorse, he only scored twice. So six touchdowns over the first five, two touchdowns over the next six games. And Chubb has obviously taken over as the clear guy in this backfield. He has looked so damn good since he has come back. 19 carries, 20 carries, 19 carries. Don't look now. Don't look now, but Nick Chubb ran more routes than Kareem Hunt did on Sunday, 14 to 12. Is he primed? Is he primed to take over this backfield for the rest of the season as the three down guy? Probably fucking not. It's getting my hopes up, but my God, would Nick Chubb win some fantasy championships. So Kareem Hunt has actually slid all the way down to running back 19 for me. And uh, speaking of Nick Chubb, he is up at running back five for the rest of the season. Hunt's not getting into the end zone. Nick Chubb is obviously taking a lot of his, his, his rushing workload, and Nick Chubb is eating more and more into the workload overall. And it's possible that we see Chubb just take a completely featured workload in this backfield. And like, depending on game script, I mean, we could look at the schedule and it's pretty fucking juicy because Tennessee can't stop a goddamn thing, but they get Baltimore, New York, New York. So those are game scripts in which Cleveland can be up and can kind of dominate on the ground if they want to. So Kareem Hunt, again, he is the RB19. He's still an RB2 in my eyes, but he's not like the RB1 that we had come accustomed to over the first five, six weeks of the season. Same thing with CEH, man. He's a faller. He's dropping six more spots down to running back 21 from running back 15 is one of those guys that like we all just fall victim to weekly if he has a good game we move him up our rankings if he has a bad game he moves down our rankings and come back down to earth 
And this is one of them, right? This is just the realistic parts of being in the Chiefs offense. You can at any time have a fucking Tyreek Hill dance party in the first quarter for over 200 yards. It's an air game, right? Where the Chiefs throw the ball 50 times and only run the ball 16 times. And the problem with a guy like CEH, when you have very low rushing totals, when you get 11 carries in a game, that's what he had on Sunday. He's fine at breaking away chunk plays. We're looking at player profiler again. These are some of the free stats on there. Breakaway runs for CEH. He has seven of them, which is number six in the NFL among running backs. And breakaway runs are 15 plus yards. But when you look at his 20 plus yard gains, he only has three on the season, which is tied for like 60th. So he has seven carries of 15 plus, but he only has three carries of 20 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So he cannot get that extra gear. And that's a lot of the times what you see happen with these guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, these guys like David Montgomery. These are the reasons why people get down on, on them a little bit at the combine. Not saying like they're not athletic, they're not shifty, they're, they're not elusive, because both of those guys can make guys miss, right? Both of those guys are shifty. Both of those guys can put people on skates in open field. Clyde, obviously, far superior one at doing that. But when you don't have that long speed, you have trouble breaking away big gains. And when you're not getting more than 11 carries in a game, like you can't, you can't live on four yards, seven yards, 11 yards, four yards, two yards. That's not going to add to fantasy points. You need breakaway plays. You need not 15 to 20 yard plays. You need a 27 yard play. You need a 35 yard play. And Clyde doesn't really offer that because he doesn't have that breakaway long speed. When you run a four, six, a four, six, five, you have a lot of trouble breaking away from NFL defenders because everyone on an NFL field runs as fast, if not faster than you when you're in that four, six category. So that's the way I look at a combine, right? Like I'm not saying Clyde can't be good. I'm not saying he can't score double digit touchdowns on a weekly basis. Uh, or double digit touchdowns in the season or two touchdowns on a weekly basis. But those long plays become a problem. The lack of long plays become a problem when you're not getting the volume, right? Like you could live, if you're getting 18 carries and you're going four to 11 yards on each carry, you're going to be looking good at the end of the game. But when that's not the case, that's a problem. They're also just not really throwing to their running backs that much. Coming off of last week, Clyde got like two targets, one target. Le'Veon Bell got like one or two targets. That's just what we see often when you have Tyree Kill on the outside, when you have Travis Kelsey up the middle there in the passing game. They're, they're throwing the ball to the running backs at a clip of like 17 to 18%. And the NFL average is up around 19, 20%. That's just another kind of knock. And again, it's not like none of these players are black and white. You can't just be like Clyde is no longer an RB1. He can't put up RB1 games because of course he can. But at this point, like it's very hard to be confident in the consistency we're going to get from a guy like Clyde because of all of these things. So Clyde right now is down at 21. This is his rest of season schedule. And this is one of the problems. Denver, okay, they've been terrible against running backs over the last few weeks. That's fine. Then he gets Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta in the fantasy championships. And that becomes a problem because, again, if you're not getting it done on the ground, you have to be getting it done through the air, and they're not targeting their running backs at a high rate. So, like, this could be a, a pretty ugly weeks 14, 15, 16 for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because the Saints and the Falcons, you just can't run against them. You just cannot run against them. So you can expect some pretty inefficient days from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And if you're going to get minimal volume with inefficiency, you're going to have a tough time producing fantasy-wise. The last guy I want to talk about on this list, we won't go through, like, running backs 26 through 35. Again, if you want the full list, patreon.com forward slash B D 
GE. We're going to throw this animation on the screen so I can give you a little bit more breakdown. So not only do you get access to the rest of season rankings, you'll get my weekly rankings, you'll get our dynasty rankings, but you get access to our discord channel, which has like 3000 people in it. And in the off season, which is one of the coolest things, if you want to jump into dynasty leagues, whether you're a newcomer, whether you're a fucking vet and you want to get into leagues with people like myself and people in the big dogs community, we opened over 115 dynasty leagues last year. Yes, these are paid dynasty leagues. They got, I think, $20, $50, $100, $250 buy-ins with people only in our audience, right? You sign up to be a Patreon, you get access to Discord, and we do dynasty startup drafts throughout the entire offseason. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that we could hit like close to 500 this offseason, which I don't think should be a problem after our first year popped off for about 115. That's all available via Patreon, okay? So sign up now, sign up tomorrow, sign up yesterday, sign up after this video. I don't give a shit. Just sign up and we'll see you there. Last guy, Rojo. Rojo has moved up to running back 24. Coming off another big game, we know what Rojo is at this point. He's another one where like we move up and down weekly based on his performance, but we know the next week is not going to be indicative of what happened the previous week. Bruce Arians came out like, yes, we know we have to get Ronald Jones 20 plus touches. We know that like, sure. But you've also been saying that all season. Like we've been saying shit like that all summer. You've been saying it all season. Uh, All that tells me is that Rojo is the starter. But we've also known that the entire year. Like, we know Rojo's going to come out and get the first, like, five, six carries. What does that equate to? It depends. And I'll tell you what it fucking depends on because it's very clear at this point. It is the matchup. It is clearly the matchup, man. I was looking at some splits. This is wild. Per Rotoviz's splits, Ronald Jones in games versus rush defenses in the top 20 versus out of the top 20. On the left side, and I was going to do the top half or even, like, good defenses. I want to do, like, the top 12. Like, okay, only, like, the really good top 12 defenses but even splitting the games out wider, I went like top 12, then I went to top 14, top 16, and I went to top 20, and I was like, even top 20, like you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, the 20th ranked defense, his numbers are still shitty. So on the left side, you're seeing the numbers in which he is playing against a defense ranked inside the top 20 for run defense. So that's not really that great of a team. Like you don't have to be that great of a team to rank inside the top 20. You could see the, look at the fantasy numbers, half PPR, 7.6 points, teams, ranked 21 through 32 against the run, 17 fantasy points. It is strictly based on the matchup. It is strictly based on who they're playing against. So when they're playing against good run defenses, and this is pretty common sense, but we feel like, I feel like we keep making this Rojo conversation like super difficult. It's like, oh, he's coming off a big game. Does that mean I start him? It depends on who the fuck he's playing. And we can look at the rest of the season schedule for a guy like Rojo. He's got to buy this week, which is also why he's down at running back 24. That takes that That's a big hit for him. And he gets Minnesota and he gets Atlanta. Those are two teams inside the top 20 that you do not want to be playing Rojo against. I think you can probably play him against Minnesota in week 14. They're not like a fantastic run defense, but they're definitely a much better run defense than they are a pass defense. So this could be a pass funnel game for Tampa Bay in this offense. I will not be excited about getting... Rojo into my lineup week 14. I will absolutely not be excited about getting him into my lineup week 15, but you do get that week 16 matchup. And that's that that's like the thing to take away here. When they've got a good run defense, it's tough to play Rojo. It's tough to see him have success. When they play a shitty run defense, that's when you get him into your lineup. And that's when Rojo has his big games. They're extremely predictable. And it's not based on the usage of him versus Fournette. It's based on the team that they're playing against. Okay, so Rojo's down at running back 24. Uh, and as always, I mean, y'all can hit me up, drop comments if you're curious about any of the other running backs. You can hit me up on Twitter at Nick underscore BDGE. Y'all can text me. Y'all can text me. You see the number right there, 646-328-6601. I'll probably just say some ignorant shit to you. I don't know if I'll even talk about fantasy with you. But if you're interested in any of these things, E-Town Get Down updates, vlogs, why yelling, whatever, you can text that number, 646-328-6601. 
And if you just text ETGD, you'll get E-Town Get Down updates. If you text VLOG, you'll get VLOG updates. If you text Y-U-Y or W-U-Y, you'll get Y yelling updates. And then you'll just get any normal shits that I send out throughout the week, like weather updates on Sunday morning for games you should be concerned about, et cetera, et cetera. It is time to move over to thy wide receivers. All right, so quick couple notes here. I do have Julio up at six. There wasn't a lot of change in the top 10. There was not a lot of movement this week whatsoever. There weren't like guys slinging up and down like, yes, Tyree Kill had a monster game, but I would still prefer Devontae Adams rest of season up at number one. Uh, Julio's at six. Calvin Ridley's at nine. Both of those are going to depend very highly on the health of these players. Julio logged a limited practice yesterday on Wednesday. He's dealing with the hamstring injury. Ridley re-injured his ankle last week, but he came bike into the game, finished the game, I don't think it should be a problem going forward, but these rankings will depend. Like if Julio misses this game, Ridley plays, like they're probably going to swap spots there. But I have right now Julio at six, Ridley at nine. Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule, just a note here. They do have a bye, like I said, then they get Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit. So while that's tough for Rojo, that is fucking fantastic for the passing offense. Although Atlanta has been a lot better against passing offense, not a matchup I'm going to be scared for Tom Brady to go against. So uh, if you don't need a week 13 win, Mike Evans shares look extra feisty right now Evans just seems like he's taking over as the alpha there like you know we could say Godwin might be the better receiver he had a better year last year but right now like it I don't know that talent actually matters I think it's all coming down to Brady like Brady when Brady gets in his zone now when he gets angry when he's just like I need to make some shit happen it's Evans it's Evans it's Evans it's Evans he's forcing the ball to Evans in the red zone he's not even forcing the ball like Evans is doing a fantastic fucking job as a wide receiver so at this point Evans is the highest ranked Tampa Bay wide receiver for me and it's by a pretty long shot. I think I have Evans up at like wide receiver 18, even with the bye. Godwin maybe down at 25, 26 area and Brown behind him. So great schedule after the bye week and Mike Evans has looked fantastic. The next highest riser, we have Justin Jefferson moving up again, 22 to wide receiver 17. Jefferson just keeps balling out. And obviously with Thielen out, Irv Smith out, like we expected a big game from Jefferson. He ends up going 13 targets, seven catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns in this one. Thielen's going to be back in week 13 though. He is going to be bike onto the field. And obviously that's going to take away a little bit of the ceiling from Justin Jefferson. But when you look at, you know, here, here's the thing, like he, Kirk Cousins only looked at Adam Thielen in the red zone this year. Like that's why Thielen's scoring so many damn touchdowns. This game might've been a little bit more of a confidence booster because he kept targeting Justin Jefferson down in the red zone. That's why he scored a couple of touchdowns. Maybe, you know, that makes Kirk think twice before only looking at Adam Thielen down there. Maybe Justin Jefferson does get a couple of the uh, targets in that area going forward. So it could be a good thing for Justin Jefferson. It could honestly be nothing. It could all go back to Thielen when he is on the field again. But either way, you look at the schedule for both of these wide receivers. You have Jacksonville in week 13. You got Tampa Bay in week 14, which had been a really tough matchup for most of the year. And obviously this is a little bit skewed by the Tyree. When I say a little bit, I mean, it's fucking entirely completely skewed by the Tyree kill game. But that being said, like Carlton Davis, who had started off so hot is it hasn't been that great as of late. So Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, and Chicago, New Orleans are obviously really tough matchups, but New Orleans has been good as of late. They've definitely turned around as an offense a little bit more, but I think that might I think that number 27 ranking is a little bit skewed. The Chicago game is going to be re- really tough, obviously, but I think overall it's not brutal, brutal schedule, especially for Justin Jefferson, who's playing the wide receiver two role to Thielen's wide receiver one there. Okay. So Justin Jefferson, we like a lot going forward. Now with Will Fuller gone, it opens up a lot, a lot of opportunity, obviously for Brandon Cooks. He does move up, but probably not as much as you think. He went from wide receiver 18 up to wide receiver 16. Cause you look at the rest of the season schedule, Indy, Chicago, Indy, Cincinnati's beautiful, obviously, but the other three prior to that are really tough. Indy's been phenomenal and he's got to play them twice. 
sandwiched with Chicago in the middle as that cream filling. And Cincinnati, man, Cincinnati's like the milk that you dip that cookie into, but you don't like the other three, man. And that's where it gets a little bit brutal. I mean, the volume should be more than enough to keep the safe floor, but there's a good chance that we just don't see that Will Fuller type ceiling. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Like I have him down at wide receiver 16. It's really just the fact that the top 15 wide receivers this year in fantasy are like pretty fucking stacked. I mean, it's guys like you're, you're trying to decide like, oh, do I like Brandon Cooks over like Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett? Like for me, no. Like I, I, you, I could see an argument where you might. There's no indictment on Cooks being down at wide receiver 16 with Fuller out. It's more so the top 15 guys are, are really, 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 really good options. So is Devontae Parker. Huge riser this week, moving up nearly 10 spots from wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 20. Again, I talked about him last week a lot, how with Fitz in, it, it made sense that he was going to go off. He ends up getting like 14 targets, eight catches, 119 yards, a 36% target share. This is wildly all going to depend on Tua. If Tua is out for another couple of weeks, Devontae Parker is going to remain up here and might even move up a little bit in my rankings. If Devontae, if uh, Tua is playing, Devontae Parker moving all the way back again. He'll probably move down to like wide receiver 27, 28, 29 in that range i wish that fits would just close the season out because the matchups are fantastic for Devonte parker it's cincy in week 13 kc in week 14 new england week 16 and the raiders in week 18 so no scary matchups on the horizon obviously new england would have gilmore shadow him but we've seen how that shit went before now Another uh, dependent kind of situation on an injury is Robbie Anderson. It looked like DJ Moore's injury was going to be a little bit more serious than it turned out to be. This might be like a minor ankle sprain. We don't know what his status is going to be. First of all, they have the bye this week. So that's obviously a hit to Robbie Anderson's status. Then you have the DJ Moore injury, which could or could not be elongated and boost Robbie Anderson's value up a little bit. I have Robbie, I think, at wide receiver 22 right now. But if Moore misses time, it's spaghetti time. We're eating fucking spaghetti at Vincenzo's for the rest of the season. So love Robbie as like a high-end wide receiver too if DJ Moore misses time. I still like him if DJ Moore is on the field, but obviously not as much. Let's take a look at the Pittsburgh wide receiver schedule for the remainder of the year. Coming off that Pittsburgh game, terrible game by Deontay Johnson. Just kept dropping balls, but 13 targets again. 13 fucking targets again. Chase Claypool still getting the downfield targets, still getting a lot of them. Juju gets into the end zone. So again, I've got Deontay at 13. I've got Chase Claypool at 19. I've got Juju at 22. So I have CeCe above Juju because of the ceiling. I think on a, on a weekly basis, I like the fact that Chase Claypool can go out there and give you the 20 plus where Juju, I don't know. I, I'm not really feeling it from Juju. He gets into the end zone. He's starting to get into the end zone often. He's becoming like a good safety valve, but he doesn't really make big plays. I like CC a little more, but all three of them are, are wide receiver twos. And Deontay is like borderline on that low end wide receiver one for me. They got Washington, they get Buffalo, they get Cincinnati. So three pretty good matchups in a row. And then Indy in week 16, which is obviously tough, but you'll worry about that when we get there. The last guy I want to talk about on this list for wide receivers. Big mover, Debo Samuel moves up from wide receiver 35 to wide receiver 25. So right on that wide receiver two borderline. Blew up last week, fully biked from injury, shitload of targets, a lot of receiving yards, not a lot of air yards. He's getting it done on the ground, which tells me that the foot is fully healed because if you are making all these plays in space, if they're giving you screens, you have to work in very tight spaces. You have to be able to move very quickly, be agile in those tight spaces. So he's looking good. He's looking fully healthy. We'll have to see what Ayuk's status is. He's coming back from the COVID IR. He will obviously take a little bit of a piece of that pie there. Maybe Ayuk runs more downfield routes and sees further downfield targets. But here's the thing. That's not what their offense is. If their offense was predicated on downfield targets, and I'd say, okay, Ayuk is running more downfield targets. He's get or downfield routes. He's getting more downfield targets. He might be, you know, the alpha in a sense, but that's not how this offense runs. They run through the running back. They run through 
plays at the line of scrimmage because they don't want Nick Mullins. They don't want Jimmy G throwing the ball downfield. That's not how they operate. So I like Debo a lot. I love Debo. I think he's going to be a beast down the stretch. And you look at the schedule, Buffalo, Washington, Dallas, Arizona, juicy, juicy matchups. There's a reason that they draft and they sign these yak gods to fill up their roster because it's part of their game plans. And the game plan is to dominate through the air in weeks 15 and 16, Dallas and Arizona. Yes, sir. Sign me the fuck up for Debo Samuel. Wide receiver 25. I wouldn't be surprised if he just continuously creeps up and creeps up and creeps up these rankings. We could look right back to the last half of the season last year, man. It was on pace for over a thousand yards of scrimmage had a bunch of games over 100 total yards from scrimmage that was while George Kittle was on the field so you want to talk about like Brandon Ayuk being a problem well he did it with George Kittle I think George Kittle might be a little bit of a better fucking player than Brandon Ayuk we ain't worry about nothing because it's Thursday it's about to be Friday it's about to be the weekend it's about to be week 13 and we are clamping up on our playoff spots I actually officially clinched playoff spot in the E-Town get down last night so shout out to me Shout out to everybody who clinched the playoff spots this week. We don't start until week 15, so I'm just sitting here waiting for more of my fucking players to get suspended and shit, which stinks. But listen, I love y'all. I hope you guys got something valuable from this. If you did, as always, hit that thumbs up button. And again, if you want all the perks of Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash BDGE. You'll get the rest of season rankings updated real time. You'll get our dynasty rankings. You'll get in-season weekly rankings. You'll get access to the Discord, which not only, you know, gets you access to 3,000 big dogs who are constantly chirping back and forth about questions and shit, whatever, whatever, whatever. You'll get access to our dynasty leagues and our season-long leagues when the summer obviously rolls around. That's neither here nor there. I'm out. I will see y'all on Fade the Public tomorrow. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.